Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Hey everybody, hope you're well. Welcome back to another edition of Simply Serie A, the Italian football podcast, part of the 90 Min Football Network. I'm your host, Harry Simu, and I'm delighted to be joined once again by my star-studded panel. Uh, Vittorio Campanile, welcome back to the show. How are you? I'm okay, thank you. Nice weekend for me, but I cannot say the same thing for the others, I presume, right? (laughs) We'll get into all of that, I am sure. Uh, Also back on the show, Tommy Milanese, how are you? I'm living the dream. I'm in Italy, in Genova, enjoying the sun, not caring about the football. <laughs> <laughs> Tommy, are you ever in England anymore? <laughs> I'm a bit everywhere, you know. I'm a, I'm a man of the word. Yeah, I can't be <laughs> confined within a country. That's it. Brilliant. Uh, also joining us, Alessandro uh, from 90 Min Italia. How are you? Oh, good. Yeah, decent weekend in, Tefo, in terms of games, not in terms of results, but it is what it is. <laughs> And who's there joining us, uh, Marco Biferi, back to uh, complain about Juventus more, I'm assuming, today. Uh, yeah, basically, same same as every weekend. <laughs> it's becoming a bit of an ongoing theme at the moment, isn't it? Look, let's start off with the game uh, between Milan and Napoli. Uh, it was on Sunday evening, a cracking game, I must admit. I was at my basically my daughter's first birthday party and I sat and ignored everybody and watched the game, <laughs> uh, which didn't go down well, but it was well worth it in the end uh, because it was a highly entertaining encounter. Uh, Vittorio, I must admit, you know, I didn't see Napoli going to San Siro and coming away with all three points, especially after the equaliser went in from Olivier Giroud as well. What were your overall thoughts on the game, the performances of the two sides? And of course, the VAR decision, which... No, it was not as controversial as the one we saw last week. It was uh, much more solid, I would say. Well, I- I'm surprised because, you know, at the end of the first half, I thought there is no chance Napoli can win this one because Milan, especially in the first half, created so many chances. Uh, the problem there is you have to take them. And uh, Milan didn't. And, uh, and then w- with the substitution, I think, I think we're going to talk about substitution a lot in this podcast because even Simone Inzaghi have been massively criticized by the subs he made. Um, I think even AC Milan was forced to, to make substitution because two players had a yellow card and Kravashkelia were really creating issue there. Those subs, I think, changed a little bit the match. Napoli was very good uh, finding a way to score, but, yeah, I think Mina probably deserved more. But in the end, football, if you score more, you win the match, right? So, yeah, I think Napoli can be a very tough team. And, uh, I mean, Simeone, I love that guy. And, uh, you know, my heart beat it because that goal, the, se- the second goal, the goal of Simeone, remind me of a very, very, very important goal of his father for Lazio a couple of years ago, I would say. So, you know, good memories. Everything goes back to Lazio. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> As always. Uh, Tommy, what was your assessment of the game? Yeah, I agree. I say I think Milan did did a very uh, good game. Uh, I think it's quite con- it's a bit concerning for them that uh, I think one of the, the biggest strengths last season was the defence and how little goals they considered. I believe it was nine goals in 19 games and this season they already considered eight in seven. Something like this. So... Um, it's yeah, it's a little bit concerning. I don't know what it is exactly because all the players are basically the same. The defense is the same, um, and I would I wouldn't really pick on anyone being underperforming massively since last season. Um, so I guess well, I guess you don't re- you don't just defend with the back four, but you defend as a team. So I guess I guess that's the issue. But um, again, it was a very entertaining game, and it was you know it was made of episodes again. Kalulu had the ball for the two-two right in front of the keeper. And it's smashed into the bar. Uh, bless him. He's, he, that's not his job. And um, and Meret was was superb, absolutely superb. So 
yeah, if if only one of those would have would you know wouldn't gone differently, we wouldn't been talking about a completely different game. Um, so it was one of those games that um, was really decided by by episodes, um, and Napoli was simply the best one to to you know take advantage of it. Um, and and yeah, and I, I guess as a, as a last point, I'm gonna say that it's it really showed that the depth in in the attacking department of Napoli. Really show their strength because obviously they have one of the best striking in Italy, Victor Simen. But we can see that one is out. They have not one but two good options. Uh, Raspadori suffered a bit because he's that kind of player that likes to come back a bit deeper in midfield. Um, and then they have Simeone, who was, who was a proper striker who would collect a, bo- a cross in the box and score like he did. So they have two options other than Osimen. So it's, it's it's very good for them. It's a very good news with all the all the games they're gonna have to to, to have that much choice. Um, and they showed that they're not relying on Osimhen as much as Milan is relying on Leao because they've really suffered that they they weren't able to um, to replace him well with Krunic and then Diaz. You know, um, so so yeah, very good game and fair play to Napoli. They're gonna have a great boost in confidence to go at the break national national breaks with, with this win. Yeah, top top of the league and uh, and flying at the moment, Ali. But there's always this thing with Spalletti sides, isn't it, that people will talk about. It's almost like a a kind of reputation that he's developed now of being able to get the best out of teams in the early part of the season and then falling away. Was this a statement victory, though, that says to people, you know what, we are here for real this time around? Um, I'm not surprised. On, on Friday, when, when I was doing the prediction and I was talking about the games with the Italy's team 90 min, uh, I, I was seeing Milan, uh, Napoli a bit tired because, as, as Tommy said, uh, Milan relies more on layout than Napoli rely on, on, on Osimen. However, uh, it's not a problem for Spalletti. I remember Spalletti when, when was a Roma manager going to San Siro and winning games. The problem with Spalletti and when they, they face uh, small teams in, in, in Naples. So we need to check. Napoli um, lost two points against Lecce and was about to lose two points against Spezia. What we can say about this game? Really good games, really good match. And since we have been complaining about VAR last week, I would say really good call from VAR because watching the game live uh, it looked it didn't look like a, a penalty and it was was a clear penalty uh, obviously uh, is if we talk about the depth of the roster Na- Napoli roster if you replace Petagna with Simeone is a is a good signing now now we need to uh, we need to see because it, it's an important winning however uh, once again, Milan proved their really strong identity to me. Marco, I thought it was a clean tackle as well, the first angle that we saw. Thankfully, there was another one that cleared it up and, and cleared up exactly what happened. You were on the receiving end of that terrible VAR call uh, last week. So was you was you happy to see the decision proved to be correct in the end and, and that, that they got it right finally? Uh, yeah, definitely. But the thing is, um, what I told you last week, I, I didn't have that much issue with the call last week. I was, it was more like the reaction that the referees had, like in front of the press, like when mm. they said that they didn't, manage, they didn't like own up to their mistakes. Um, for me, the VAR has mostly worked since his, since his arrival. Um, and I'm not one of those people that say that it's killing football. I think it's actually making it better. It's just we just need to improve the use of it, I think. And yeah, basically what happened on, on the Napoli Miller game. So judging by what you guys have said, and, I, and I'll come back to you, Vittorio, are people not really worried about Milan off the back of this defeat? Are you looking at it as a, a defeat in isolation where they were a little bit unfortunate, maybe in the way it came about because the performance in large parts was there? Is this one that they just need to pick themselves up from, dust themselves off, and go again, or, or is or is it deeper? Do you look at this and think, or, or, or does your opinion on on how they can compete for the title change off the back of this? I agree with what Tommy was saying. Um, last year, and normally, you win the scudetto thanks to your defense. 
And Milan defense is not working like last year. Now, it's not that they're playing badly, but you don't need to play badly to lose this type of matches. I mean, uh, if you're perfect, you can beat Napoli. If you make slightly little mistakes, like I thought Milan made in the two chances uh, Napoli had, then you're going to lose. And this is what's happening. I mean, I remember Atalanta-Milan. Atalanta got away with one point. And they pretty much had just one chance against Milan and they score. And if you recall that chance, the defender was far away from the Atalanta player. Manian wasn't perfect on that attempt to save the ball. So it's not a huge mistake they're making, but compared to last year where they were perfect, I mean, Kier looked like Paolo Maldini, and this year he's here again. So, you know, it's this type of little difference that for a team fighting for the Scudetto has a huge impact. You know, we're not saying they're terrible, but these little mistakes make huge impact for a team fighting for the Scudetto. And we are seeing that because we always said, right, it's just one example, one mistake, one attempt that can make you win these big matches. And this is what's happening to AC Milan. We should also mention that Giroud is a great striker. He scored uh, Sunday, but in the first half, he missed three very good chances. I don't know. Maybe another... Giroud is a great striker, but it's more like a Adzeko type of us, a striker, right? Someone very good making assists, making space for someone else, not finishing. So He's not lethal. Yeah, he, he's not yeah. lethal, is he? I mean, in the first half, he missed a chance. Everybody's saying, ah, Meret made an unbelievable save. You're one-on-one against the goalkeeper, three meters from the goal. You have to destroy the goalkeeper there. I mean, if he touches the ball, he has to go in the net with the ball. <laughs> Instead, he deflected on the bar. You know, that's not what you expect from a very good striker. Tommy, should should uh, Maignan in the uh, in the Milan goal have saved the penalty as well? I thought he should have. I thought it was a really poor penalty from Politano. I thought it was incredibly fortunate that he squirmed in underneath the goalkeeper. Yeah, it's one of those penalties that is fairly easy. It's, it's the penalty that you want as a, as a goalkeeper. But I think, well, Magnan obviously thought it was going to go right in the corner. So he proper died for it. And you can see in the slow motion that halfway through the through the dive, he kind of tries to close back on himself and close the gap, but he just does it. Um, just, just, just late, just a half a second late or whatever. But I mean, I, I think it's a bit harsh to say you should have saved it. Yeah, it was, it, it was a fairly easy. If you guess that, if you guess the direction, you should, you should save that. But I mean, it was a penalty. Um, Dest shouldn't have done that foul. Um, is Dest good enough for Milan? I don't know. Um, and yeah, and well, another thing to say on that penalty is that Cravastelia or Quaradona as people call him, <laughs> is, is literally is real, really on another level compared to almost anyone in, in the league. Unbelievable. Yeah, he started the season in brilliant form, hasn't he? Um, I mean, just quickly on, on Milan, sort of, we got to give credit to Napoli, right? It's never easy to go away to Milan and come away with three points. And I feel like we focused a little bit heavily on Milan and maybe not giving Napoli the praise that they deserve just quickly on Milan before we we touch on Napoli a little bit more and then then we move on. It hasn't really changed my opinion of where they're at as a team. You know, that result. I, I think that the performance was there. And I think when the performance is there, it's very difficult to pin it on the manager or to say that the system doesn't work or anything like that. I think that you just have to look at it as uh, uh, not being their day, essentially. It was a really bad day at the office. Things didn't go their way. It didn't go as planned. And unfortunately, you know, they found themselves in a losing position. But I think they'll be back. And um, and uh, I'm still expecting them to be right at the top come the end of the season. Um, Ale, just quickly on Napoli before we move on to another game. I mean, what what should, what should would represent a good season for Napoli? Champions League football? You know, I know we, we talk about the Scudetto and we talk about their kind of tendency to fall away late on in seasons. But... If you were a Napoli fan going into this campaign, what would you have looked at and said, this is what I expect? I mean, uh, we, when it was time to do the, the starting read, we all said, OK, probably they won't be able to make the top four. No, I, said, now, I, said, I said fourth. OK, OK. <laughs> Ready to Tommy. 
So <laughs> now after the, the, the first beat of the, of the season, I would say they are the best team at the moment in Syria. Um, yeah, but it was the same last year. Like I remember last year, the first 10 of Princeton Gate, they were flying. You never, you never know what to expect. You know, now that there will be one month and a half stop, then they will restart. Uh, at this point, they won't. I mean, I, I would be happy to, to fight for the top four and let's see what happens because the throne is empty. There's no Juventus dynasty. There's no Inter dynasty. Uh, Milan, they can do the back-to-back, but I don't know if they, they're able to do it. So if in March the throne, they, they, they're still there, why not? Can I ask a question then? So when people say that Spalletti's teams tend to fall off, and, and that is a, a narrative that is commonly sort of pushed by Italian media, I would say, is it because they run out of steam? Is it because they're burnt out? Is it because of tiredness, Marco? Is it because the squad isn't big enough? Is it because his methods become tiresome? In which case, could the World Cup break do good for Napoli? Could it give them the opportunity to, to kind of pause and, you know, providing they don't pick up any key injuries, could they then come back and not have that blip that they inevitably have had in previous season? Uh, I don't think it... It will make much of a difference the World Cup. I think the issue with the Spalletti's team is probably more on the mental side. I think it's probably a thing of him keeping the tension and maybe just failing when it matters the most. That's that's my point of view. And I don't think the the World Cup break is gonna make any changes. I think last season Napoli was like first or second, like right up until February, maybe or maybe January. January. Uh, yeah, exactly. So I don't know if the World Cup break will do any difference to it, to be honest. Um, and like I've always told, like I've always told you since day one, for me, Napoli, um, sorry, Milan is is the team to beat it this season. And I don't see Napoli taking that throne. But if I was an Apple, if I were an Napoli fan, I think that um, a successful season would be at least fighting for for the Scudetto. I think that would be like a really good season for them. Especially when when you think about the expectations that we had just a month ago. Yeah. Tommy, Tommy, what's your take on that? Do you think the World Cup break could act, could be positive for Napoli? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I think so. I think it would be it would be huge, actually. Uh, considering that most of the best players would not go to the World Cup because Osimhen is not going, uh, Raspador is not going, Simeone is not going, Crostelia is not going. Is Georgia going as well? I don't yeah. think he is. Is it? No, Georgia. No, Georgia. Yeah, Georgia, no, okay. No, no. is not going. Politano's not going. I mean, if you think uh, Anguissa is probably not going, Andon Bell is likely not going. I mean, Mario Rui, Di Lorenzo, Meret. I mean, most of the players are not going. Well, I'm thinking that other teams like Milan Giroud will go. Leao will go. Uh, the Kitelare will go. Um, and, and, and many others. So I think that would be, that would make a difference. Um, I, re- I really think the players that will come back from the World Cup, especially those that will go to a later stage, and I'm, think, I'm thinking quarters onwards, it would really, um, it would really be difficult on a mental side to kind of come back, and not just for the physical point of view, but also for the mental side to kind of concentrate, shift your your focus from being country's hero to then go back into a season that you already started. Um, so I think the teams that would not have as many players. In it, like Napoli, will definitely benefit from it. Mm, interesting. Are, are there guys any thoughts on that, on the whole World Cup break? Uh, yeah, they can take advantage. Uh, Atalanta can take advantage. But I'm, I'm also curious, I don't know if, if you are, to watch how the player that will play the World Cup will play after this international break in the last month before the competition will start. So you think it will be on their minds the World Cup, maybe not wanting to yeah. get injured, maybe. To me, in every challenge. Mm. Well, think about Pogba, right? He didn't want to go have a surgery because he would have missed the World Cup. So, you know, top teams are already thinking about that. 
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, let's go from uh, one disappointing result for a Milan-based club to another. Inter were beaten by Udinese 3-1. Uh, Udinese have started the season. Uh, Tommy, I'll come to you first on this one. They've started the season brilliantly. They sit in third at the moment, just a point off the top. Uh, but this was a really bad day at the office for Simone and Zaghi's side, wasn't it? And they took the lead in this game as well and, and ended up completely falling apart. Vittorio mentioned earlier in the show that there were question marks around Simone Inzaghi's substitutions, changes. And if I'm not mistaken, he's come out and said in the press that he knows what the problems are and, and he's going to try and solve them or he knows how to solve them. Do you feel like he's starting to struggle a little bit into the because the start to the campaign has been far from convincing? Yeah, I've never been a huge fan of, of Inzaghi, I'll be honest. And I think I'm, I think that he's losing the plot a little bit, if <laughs> if I have to be honest. Um, these substitutions, right, they're getting to a level. I was start talking to Ali this morning about it. I think he's still scarred from that time. It was, I think it was Napoli Lazio when Lucas Leiva got um, the red card and then they ended up losing the game. He is so terrified of playing in 10 men that he's making some absurd substitutions that you, you don't see in football. Yeah, I think it, it took out two men after 30 minutes. If you look at Atalanta against Roma, we're going to talk about it in a minute. I think every single player, outfield player, had a yellow card or, or, or something ridiculous, like <laughs> seven or eight players, including Demiral, uh, Toloi. Yeah, it's crazy. And I mean, none of them got a red card, you know, because professional footballers are good enough to know that they're not going to make a, a serious, you know, another, another foul. I know that he might be concerned that maybe players with the yellow card play differently. But at the same time, I think it's, it's absurd, and especially because one of the two substitutions was Henry Mikitarian, which is obviously an offensive player, plays as a CAM, is a player that has not played much in this beginning of the season. It was finally his chance. He started the game. It could have made a difference, and you know, it could have changed the season maybe if he had a very good game. And because of yellow card, is is taken off after thirty minutes. I mean, I think I think it's absurd, and it's a it's a it's a bit of a, I mean, I don't want to be too harsh here, but I think it's a sign that he's losing the plot a little bit. Um, with that said, I'm not, I'm not one of those people that are saying he should be sacked now. I think it's still very early for that, but yeah. I don't think, I don't think he'll fix it. It's, it's, it's convenient for them, for him to say, it, obviously. Um, and I, I really, I really hope for him that he actually means it, but I don't think he'll, he'll fix it. He'll improve once Lukaku comes back, but I don't think the season will be that positive. I know what you mean like about the whole yellow card thing because it does feel, Vittorio, like it's a bit of an obsession for Simone and Zaghi at the moment. Like, as Tommy says, that fear of going down to 10 men. You know the manager probably better than all of us because he spent so many years at your club. What's your take on, A, the performance at Udinese and, and B, where Inter are at in general? So, first of all, it's not an obsession. It's a rule. In the guidebook of Simone Inzaghi, rule number two says, if you get a yellow card, you're out. The, the, the exception is he, he, did, he did the substitution in the first half. Normally, he does it in the second half. So this is an exception of the rule. But the rule of Simone Inzaghi is clear. You get a yellow card in the first half, you're out in the second. It's a trauma. He needs to get over it. There is, there is very good therapist in, in Milan, I'm sure. I mean, that's his guidebook. You know, rule number one is you play 3-5-2, full stop. Rule number two is if you get a yellow card, you're out in the second half. What's so, the number three? Can you show the number three? Yeah. Number three is if you're under 22, you don't start. <laughs> <laughs> can we just do a podcast on every single rule narrated by Vittorio? This is Simone Inzaghi guidebook. The only under 22 who plays with him are the one who he trained when he was in Lazio Academy. That's it. I mean, you can be messy and be 21 years old. You're never going to start. So... That's in that's in Zaghi. He's a great manager. He's a great leader. Uh, usually, players will love him. Will go to fight for him. On the other side, you have to take that he's only playing three-five-two. He doesn't have the players. He doesn't care. Three-five-two. <laughs> uh, he makes the substitution if you get a yellow card. Take it or leave it. That's Simone Zaghi. So this is the problem. Uh, he rates his players right. Uh, Correa, if he's available, he's gonna come in. You know that. We all knew that Acerbi will go to Inter, right? He's his man. He's going to play, and he's playing now. So, positive and negative of Simon Inzaghi. On the other side, we have to say even that Skriniar is not playing like Skriniar anymore. So, that's a problem. 
Lukaku is out. He needs a, a, a number nine, a striker that plays like that. So I think, obviously, Inzaghi is not under full control of the team, but he has been left down by some players of Inter. And this is the result. Plus, let's not forget that Udinese is playing amazing football. This is the fifth win in a row for Udinese. Uh, people can say, yeah, they play against Roma, but still they won, you know, so... <laughs> it's important. <laughs> it took me a few seconds. <laughs> That's the first jab that they've had at each other with this Lazio. Wow, Roma. the first fight. one of the season. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant stuff. Uh, Ale, your take on uh, on Inter and, um, and where they are at the moment. Seventh in the league, already lost three times. I think that was inconceivable to, to think at the start of the season. Yeah, I mean, we, except for Marco, I guess, and I don't know, maybe you and Tommy, me and Vittorio were putting Inter on top. I was as well, I was as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, mm. at the beginning of the season, uh, credit to Dinese. I mean, they, they won against Roma, nothing major, but they're playing really good football. <laughs> they have really good players, Samarzic, Lovridge. Uh, Beto, Doggy, uh, uh, the the coach is, it's really doing a good, uh, it's doing a really good job. However, it's good. You have your uh, book rules uh, and all this stuff. But if you are the interest manager, you are paid to find solution. You cannot go for with three five two. Same story with uh, with Allegri complaining about the players. If you are the Inter or Juventus manager, you are paid a lot to find solution with the play the, with the players you have at the moment. You cannot complain. You are there for a reason, and the reason find the, find solution in moment like this one. So, no excuses for Inzaghi, and please don't forget, he lost the league last season. Marco, is it is? Do you have confidence that Inzaghi can find the solutions to the current problems? I feel like in this season, where I don't look at Milan and think that they're impossible to catch, you know, even if obviously not to catch right now because they're not top. But what I mean is, I don't think that they are so strong that you know they won't go through a, a bad period. I think the same with Napoli. We've talked many times about the dip that's probably coming from them at some point as well. I don't feel like the damage that Inter have done already is damage that is irreparable. I think they could still get themselves to there or thereabouts if they go on a run. But have you got any confidence that Inzaghi is going to find a way of getting them back on track and getting them into a position where they're strong enough to push on and potentially close that gap between themselves and the top? Uh, I think I think they still have time. I think it's fixable. I, there's only seven. They're only seven points. I think or six points behind behind Napoli. I think it will it's depend. Five. It's only five points. It's only five. Yeah. Mm. It's, I think it will depend a lot on Lukaku. Uh, I think Lukaku Lukaku is a player that in Italy like shifts the balance so much that it will depend on him. Uh, he Inter has been suffering quite a quite a bit without him. Uh, I still don't see them win, winning the title. I think they'll make top four easily, probably top three as well, because I still think that uh, Milan is the, the strongest side in Italy. Um, but yeah, I think it will depend mostly on, on Lukaku's uh, being fit the rest of the season. Yeah, we can't rely on one player. Is Screener going to start playing football when Lukaku's back? Is Bastoni going to yeah. not, you know... Conte, Conte won an Scudetto with Lukaku, basically. Like that was the main thing of his team. And I you think could there was see... more to that. Yeah, no, no. manager. Yeah, that's true. But I think the issue with Insagi is that he didn't make the most of the of the of the team that Conte left, like Allegri did in 2015 with Juventus, and we saw that last year. But I think that if if Lukaku comes back and he's the player that he was two seasons ago, um, they'll, they'll still be able to fight. Yeah, he'll, he'll definitely improve the team. But yeah, well, as Sandro said, as a, as a manager of a top club, you need to find solutions. Yeah. You don't have your best team. Like, Osimhen is out. Simeone is scoring Champions League against Milan. is doing good. 
And then also, like, Lukaku's out. He has Edin Dzeko. It doesn't have uh, Pusseto on it. I mean, it's, it's still yeah. a very great number nine. Oh, yeah, no, it's a bit old. And, stuff, and, but... and they have Lautaro Martinez. They have Lautaro, don't yeah, forget. Lautaro, they, I mean, Lautaro. if we go back to two years ago when Conte was there, Lautaro Martinez wasn't that player, right? Wasn't so good like he is now. So he has option. Um, I don't know. I think he'll need a little bit of time. And on the, on the other side, let's not forget that this is not anymore the Inter of Antonio Conte. A lot of players are not there anymore. A lot of important players are not there anymore. Uh, Handanovic is not getting any younger. Oh, we need so... to talk about him. Handanovic, like, he never throws himself. He's, he's amazing. He's like a statue on goal. I, I still can't believe that he's the, he's the main goalkeeper still at Inter. I still can't believe that. I, I want to understand how he got six on Fanta Calcio on Fantasy Football because <laughs> I drew I, I I drew against my opponent for half a point because I'm damaged wow. got six. But anyway, that's another conversation for another. It's my podcast. keeper, it's my keeper for there this of Fanta Calcio. Do you know what? It's too late this season, but I'm going to play with you next season. We should, we should do it simply. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You need to try. You, yeah, you'll understand try. the madness around it. We need more people. No, don't do worry. Don't worry. We'll, you know. We'll... By the way, I benched Delufeo this weekend, and what happened? <laughs> <laughs> Starting every single match when I bench him, he scores. Good stuff. Uh, good stuff. Look, let's uh, let's move on because we've got a few more games uh, to cover as well. Because as we was talking about, I can't remember who did I speak about this with the other day. Uh, obviously, for for sort of Milan. Inter, Juve, Roma, all to lose on the same weekend is not something that happens every week. But last time it happened was 1955. Wow, that's what a professional. Well. Yeah, what, what a, a professional, professional guy. Really, as as the host, I should have had that nailed down, but I didn't. that's <laughs> terrible on my part. Well done, Ale. Uh, the uh, the new MVP. You've taken over, man, from Marco last week. <laughs> Uh, let's uh, let's let's talk about Roma then, because they were beaten at home by Atalanta. Jose Mourinho, uh, my favourite manager, <laughs> wasn't too happy on the day, was he? No, yeah, but nothing to say about the performance of the team. One of the best of the season, to be honest. But as as Vittorio said earlier, if you don't score at this game, you don't win. Mm. Twenty. 21 shoot yeah, and you don't score. So this is the, the, the main problem. But nothing to say about the performance. You obviously can always improve, but uh, just unlucky. I would say just unlucky. Nothing nothing to say, nothing to add. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but obviously. <laughs> I, I passed the ball to Vittorio. I, I'm, I'm really curious to listen. No, to, to be honest, uh, Roma didn't deserve to lose. I mean, if if there was one team that should have won yes, Sunday, it was Roma. I mean, uh, Atalanta played counter-attack football. That was really surprising because usually Gasperini played a completely different type of football. And Roma had so many chances. I cannot believe they didn't score. But on the other side, I think we have to talk about Abraham. I mean, he missed a chance in the first half. I, I thought... I thought the linesman sign an offside because you cannot miss that chance. Come on. Um, last time he scored at the Olympico could it be last November, something like that. I mean, I don't remember last time he scored at the, at the Olympico. Really? Uh, there, there was a European competition. There was a semi-final and he scored. Ah, okay. No, I'm talking about Serie I know it doesn't count for you, but it counts. <laughs> no, but it's a European competition. You said it. It's very important. But... You know, it, it's again like Shiru. Your striker has to score because otherwise you don't win matches that you deserve to win. And uh, this was surprising because, again, I repeat, uh, in the past, Roma have beaten Atalanta with Mourinho twice. And uh, in both matches, Atalanta played much better than Roma. And Roma scored like four goals in the first match, three in the second one or the other way around. And uh, so my impression is, Gasperini decided to play as Roma, counteract and leave the ball to Roma. Yeah, I, I believe he learned the lesson because um, if you remember last season in Bergamo, especially Roma yeah. counteracted and, and won 4-0, basically. 
for, for one. But yeah, and uh, I think we have won just one nil Olimpico, uh, yeah, in Roma. However, yeah, uh, it is what no. it is. Now so, we have to we have to say that Dybala got injured in the warm up, so yeah. that changed a little bit the plan uh, for for Roma. And I think Alessandro said it in the last episode. Dybala is so important for this team because was it against Empoli? I think last match, right? He decided the match with a nice goal, with a good assist. I think they missed him a little bit yesterday. Yeah, I mean, if you want, if you want to go and analyze it a little bit more. We should say Dybala is really important for Roma because it's maybe the only player, together with uh, with, with Zaleski, that play in vertical. Otherwise, with Cristante, with Matic, Roma always plays. Pellegrini too, no? Horizontal, yes, and Pellegrini. But Pellegrini, when when it's when it's not behind the, the striker, suffer a bit. Mm. When it's in the middle line, suffer a bit. We need. So- for Ali, do you agree that Tammy Abraham's not been at the, I, I have to admit, when it comes to Roma, I haven't seen a lot of their games in full uh, this season. I've, I've obviously seen the highlights, but they're not... I don't know, maybe... And you guys know that Mourinho is not my favourite, but I just, there's something really? about Mourinho teams that doesn't attract me uh, to watch it as much. And So do you agree with Vittorio's assessment of Tammy Abraham? And, and if so... Is it time to give Andrea I mean, Bellotti a chance? We talk for Vittorio, it's easy because uh, I mean, when 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 Vittorio talk about striker, he has Chiro, and it's easy when your striker doesn't miss any any chance. Unless he's playing for Italy, yeah. Uh, Unless he's playing outside of Lazio, wow. basically. However, oh, however, sorry, that I was unfair. Say, <laughs> I would say uh, Tammy is really important for Roma. He does a, a, a really important job. And I don't know if the, um, the signings of Belotti uh, was helpful for him. Because last season, for example, he knew he was the only one. Now, his leadership is, it's, we can say, in trouble. Because if you don't score, then there is another one who came here to prove himself so uh, that's, need- that's not elite mentality though is it eh? it's not elite mentality and elite strike mentality is it i'm not being too I, harsh I no it needs to work but that's what we to say it needs to work and it's improved mm. i just i just wonder because tammy abraham is someone who is incredibly mobile as well he can run yeah. channels he can give you a physical presence up front i know belotti's quite well built and all of that stuff but I don't think he he gives you a threat in behind in the way that Abraham does and so taking Abraham out and putting Belotti in it's not the same no, thing no, no. not like for like for, it changes the way you approach for, the game doesn't it for me no no discussion yeah. I mean I I really would love to to see them together with with uh Dybala behind in, in some games but for me uh, Tammy Abram is a Roma striker and he will be until the end of the season. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, Tommy, you referenced uh, Atalanta picking up seven yellow cards. Seven. It's crazy. That's uh, elite. Tough. Yeah, it, it, it is. But um, I, I don't think you were on the show when we had a, an in-depth discussion about Atalanta and the fact that a lot of people felt that, you know, the Gasparini cycle was probably over. Yet here they are, seven games into the season, still early days, but they're sitting second. They're level on points with the league leaders. We've got to give them some credit, haven't we, for picking up, although they weren't very good in terms of their performance, well, depending on what you class as good, they got another big, big result. Yeah, huge, huge credit to Gasperini, 100%. That's what a good manager does. That is an elite manager. He adapts. He knows how to adapt, change the style of play, and still you know, still plays well and pick up points, even when your best players are right away. Vittorio. Can I say something? Of course they played okay. against Verona, Monza, Cremonese, Sampdoria. And Roma. And Roma. And Milan. Milan. Yeah, but four of the last four of the table, I mean, and they drew against Cremonese. Well, yeah, no yeah. one is saying they're going to win the league, they're going to continue to win every game. Of course, they will have a dream. For example, this morning, I was 
make yeah there is difference for me to what uh, Udinese have shown so far and what Atalanta has shown because for for the difference of the opponent I don't know where to put Roma according to Vittorio's opinion but <laughs> then we will see in the future oh. however um, however yes uh, but we need to say one thing about Atalanta they have one game per week and they know how to deal with the top four and how to fight until the end of the season. So I'm and then, for sure. thing, because I saw Sampdoria Atalanta and Atalanta didn't deserve to win. I mean, Sampdoria is a terrible team, but they should at least equalize, find the equalizer. Instead, they, they found a contract and Atalanta score. Same thing against Roma. I mean, Roma was a much better team. And so, you know, they, they stole six points. Take them out of six four points and you know they're not there anymore they had seven yellow cars and none of them were substitutes so probably simonis and saget's head exploded or something <laughs> <laughs> but they were in the same half so that's that's rule number five yeah. but go, going back to gasparini okay fine he, they might not challenge for the league they might have had an easier calendar they might have been lacking some games but they are there you know what I mean? Like they, someone said earlier that they change, they play counter-attack and they never really played counter-attack. They always played offensive football, highly relying on the, on the fullbacks. And they're not really doing that anymore, not as much. I mean, if you look at the starting lineup as well, I mean, they're playing with, um, oh God, the, 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 the striker, Hojund. 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 Ederson and Pajalic. I mean, they're not, Papu Gomez, the, the prime Zapata and prime Muriel or prime Ilicic. Um, and then on the wing backs, which is, you know, was the most, probably the most important role for, for the Atalanta of a few years ago, where they had prime Gosens and, and Atabor. And, and, and that shows you as well that Gosens went to Inter and, and dipped straight away. It really showed you that he was play, playing well because Gasperini did something to him. The way they were playing, the confidence, I don't know what it was. But it really looks like almost any player you give to Gasperini, not every, because there's some exceptions, but almost every player you give to him, they fit in, in, their system, in his system and, and they do well. Um, so, yeah, like, like Ali said, you know, who knows what can, they can do without, without Europe, uh, without many players going to a World Cup. I don't think they'll, they'll challenge, obviously, for the title, or, but they might be up there for the top four until, until late in the season. I think you're in mute, mate. There we go. Yep, bad. Happens, bad happens to the best. Yeah, <laughs> it does. Um, what's the deal with Malinowski at the moment? Because I look at sort of the weekend. We know that Malinowski and Gasparini have maybe had their issues. It looked like he was going to leave the club at one point. But he's too good a player to sit on the substitutes bench, is he not? Who wants to take this one? <laughs> <laughs> who, who wants to let loose? <laughs> I don't know. I think um, I'll, I'll start. Um, I agree that Malinowski is, is probably their best player at the moment. Um, but it doesn't necessarily mean that he, he fits every every game. Um, I would have started him for... I mean, obviously, I'm not Gasperini. That's probably the reason for that. But I would have started him because in a game like that, where you're not going to dominate possession, you're not going to have loads of chances, someone that can strike from afar is always very useful. And mm. that's how the goal happened with, with Scalvini. Um, so if literally the same game happened, exactly how it happened, but the goal wouldn't be from Malinowski, it wouldn't be, you know, it, made, it wouldn't make, make much more sense. Why was it out? I'm not sure. There's definitely something going on. Like you say, he's a manager that is famous for picking up oh, fights yeah. with players, um, for being difficult to deal with. Um so, I mean, again, I, who knows what's, what's going to happen, but Malinowski right now is a player for Atalanta. He's there. He's going to be there until at least January. And I think uh, I think he will play. I don't think this is as bad as Papu Gomez when he was out of the squad and left. So I think he will have his say into the season. Not every game, but he will have an important role. Didn't, didn't Gasperini said that he needs a better player than Marinowski because he's already scored three goals? I exactly. Mean... <laughs> the, the Atalanta deserve a better Yeah, but it's not a striker, is it? He's not a striker. He's, yeah, but can you, say to, can you say to one of your best players, hey, yeah. I need a better one. You score only three goals. 
I mean, oh. he's still within. I mean, how can I play for a manager that tells me this? And you know, he, he, yeah, you're rubbish, but you know, I don't have anyone coming. He, he didn't I mean, just tell it to him, he be, he told the press that. That's yeah. like the worst <laughs> thing. Uh, yes, and I'm quite sure that there is a Gasparini book somewhere. Because <laughs> if you also think about Boga, they bought Boga for over Boga. 20 million. They signed Boga for over 20 million in January, and Gasparini decided Boga is not a team player, so in the bench, that's it. Yeah. The uh, the Gasparini book of how to fall out with players, Simone and Zaghi's yellow card book. We've got lots of books to write, guys. We can make a fortune uh, moving forward. Um, right. It's it's come to that time in the show. Marco, you've been, you've been waiting for this. That's what I came for. Yeah, that, that's what I've come for as well, to be honest with you. Um, talking about the other teams losing was, was fun as well. But this one, uh, Marco, Monza. I mean... It was a very difficult opponent. A hundred percent predictable that we were going to lose that match. It was a hundred percent. Not only not only because of how we've been playing, like the day after the Benfica match in Champions League, uh, basically Allegri went and had a chat with this uh, journalist in Italy, and he basically said that the team that he has right now is not good enough. That is, this is a virtual Juve because he doesn't have all all the players that he he basically wanted fit. So when you say that, basically what we were saying about Gasparini and Malinowski, when you say that about your players, like to the press, and the worst thing is, and this is what really gets me, <laughs> is that they they didn't call this an interview. So this was like a chat between Allegri and this journalist. Uh, yeah, but you know, you know, you know what was that for? I think that is my opinion. It was just to not get in trouble with the press officer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. It was just to, just that the Juventus couldn't be able to say anything because Allegri would say, "Oh, this was just a chat." But he when you have a chat with a journalist, it's an interview, isn't it? Exactly, yeah. and, and especially if you don't tell the journalist, don't publish this because he could have said that too. Yeah. Well, at the best of times, journalists write what they want anyway. So if you're giving them ammunition as well, you know. Can I say just something about to defend Allegri? Um, I mean, against against Monza, they didn't have Pogba, Chiesa, Ake, Caio Borges, okay, Locatelli, Rabiot, Alexandro, Milik, Quadrado. I mean, Lazio would have struggled to have 11 players available with all those players missing. I guess Roma would be in the same situation. I mean, He's not that wrong saying that Juventus have a lot of players missing. Still, but you, you, said, you said last week, Vittorio, and rightly, that you can't rely on Di Maria, you can't rely on yeah. Papa, and he should have known that when he brought them to the club. He and, was and, the one that chose them. Yeah, and, and let's talk about Di Maria sending off. Totally unnecessary, Marco. I think, I don't know, I don't know, I, I really think that he doesn't have a whole of the, of the team anymore. I think that the players don't follow him anymore. When was the last time Di Maria got spelled? Like three, five years ago, I think someone said. Because he never played in Italy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he played in Argentina, so he's 34 years old. He has been, because they say that Iso was chasing him and calling him names, and he's 34 years old. And like in the first half, you just go ahead and elbow the guy. I mean, I don't know. I think... I think that after that interview with this journalist, most most of the team is not following Allegri. And at the moment, and this was the Tutto Sport cover the other day, we Juventus is basically a prisoner of Allegri because of the contract that they gave him. So they they've offered him a four-year deal, seven million per year. So sir, that nobody have... nobody does contracts like this anymore. Yeah, yeah but so it's going to be expensive to sack him. But how? Much money they're gonna lose if they don't finish top four. Well, yeah. What I was what I was saying last more. week, and and the thing is, this is more like a personal bet from Agnelli, because two years ago when they sacked him, he didn't want to, so he was the one that brought him back. So if he sack him now, then it's basically him saying, okay, yeah, I can I see that, up. but I think Agnelli is the kind of guy that see people as numbers, so I don't think he cares too much I, about I, that. I, I, he was he was basically crying the first time he had to fire Allegri. Yeah. He was be- no he was 
basically like close to tears on that. Okay, fair that. enough. That might that might be part of I the don't... problem. But the main problem is if they second going to lose up around around fifteen million. If they f- don't finish top four, it's going to be around sixty million. So if they second and still don't get to four because they're getting Montero, not Tuchel or or Zidane, then you know that's that's a big that's a real issue. So they gotta be care- they gotta be really careful. Um, but in my opinion, in my opinion, they should because. I'm replying yeah. to what sort of said. You don't need Pogba and, and Milik no. to, to score against Monza and Sampdoria. Mm. The only team, someone said uh, in, in the pre-show, the only team who didn't score against Sampdoria. And they were still playing with Vlaovic, Quadrado, Kostic. It's not like they were playing with, uh, again, <laughs> you know, Verre and, uh, and, and Djuricic. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And, and also statistically as well, right? This wasn't like a smash and grab from Monza. No, no, they deserve 17 attempts at goal. Again, we went to 61% of the possession. I think we only had like unable to control chances. Yeah, I think we only had two clear chances. I can't remember one from Moise again. And I can't remember anything else. I can't remember. Just a header, which is a random cross in, and it was a good position. That was literally the only chance. And that coming off the back of losing to Benfica, that was probably the most important game of the first half of the season because you need to go ahead in the Champions League. That is a lot of money, a lot of exposure, and, and all of that. Yeah. If, thing, and now they're not going to go. They're not going to go. The thing is, it, it just keeps getting worse every week. I remember when we faced Sampdoria, Allegri said, like, oh, we cannot do worse than the first half against Sampdoria. And then, every, and then every week, it's just we take it a bit higher on the level of how bad it is. Yeah. And this was yeah. just like the last drop. I would say it, it is also funny to see that one of the best of the best player on the pitch was Rovella on loan from Juventus. That's the other thing. You see Juventus player. They, they, and... they were looking for, for quality. No, uh, no, but... Yeah, but if you put Rovella in this Juventus team, it wouldn't, exactly. wouldn't touch the ball. And that's what I was if you put say. Messi, prime Messi in this team, it wouldn't touch the ball. You see Rovella and he was flying on Saturday. You see Juventus players and they basically just walk like zombies all over the pitch. It's just the thing about. I think it's just, it's just it has become such a toxic environment, where no matter what player you put in that team, it's just not gonna do well. I'm saying this thing as well. One of a good friend of mine, Juventus, huge Juventus fan. He was literally supporting Monza because he wanted to go get. Like, I was very it, close to it. If but so I many fans, so many fans thought the same. If the fans are like that, I, I'm, I kind of agree with you, Marco. I think the players are almost the same as well. I mean, I'm not, saying that, I'm not saying that Di Maria did it on purpose to, to get Allegri out, no, but, you There's know. There's a new hashtag going around social media called Stadium Vuoto. So basically, uh, em, uh, um, empty, empty stadium. stadium. Uh, and it's That's basically a... not, it's just not to suck Allegri. It's just because the club hasn't said anything after Monza's game. It was just Landucci, Allegri's second, that went to the press to basically said that we had been rubbish. But not not a word from the from Agnelli, not a word from Arriva Veni, nothing. What, what, nothing. What no, say? Arriva Veni said we'll we'll keep Allegri, right? Yeah, yeah, but that was before the game. After the game, nobody said any, nobody said a word. I mean, you you well, have lost against Monza. You need to say something, at least mm-hmm. make even if it's just to say, look, we're staying with Allegri until the end of the year, no matter what, blah blah blah. Fine, but at least say something. Arriva Bene, I think he did a record in the last years between Ferrari and Juventus, never won at Monza. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but we have to talk about Arriva Bene as well. I mean, he has been a disaster with Ferrari. I mean, a new signing for Juventus? What in the hell are you thinking about? They, I mean, they should get Binotto next as a sporting yeah, director. I mean, <laughs> how can you sign Arriva Bene? Everybody in F1 was saying he's a total disaster, a nightmare. And uh, Juventus put him in, in that position. That doesn't make sense. And this shows you how Agnelli is in conf- total confusion. I think they. I think it wasn't Agnelli who put Arrivaveni in charge. It was more Elkan. It was Marco. <laughs> and it was basically just to make sure that the finances would be like kept on check, which he has done. Because if you look at uh, the numbers, of course, the balance this year is going to be. Awful, but he has been shedding like salaries. He has shed, has been shedding like a lot of players that weren't useful, blah blah. And he's not a football guy. He's not the one that he will that needs to say, look, we need to sign this player or this player. He's just the one that needs to say, look, we can afford this player or not. So 
he has sort of done his job. It's, it's not an issue with him. It's just the other, like Allegri's importance in the decision making. I don't know. I think someone in the club has to take responsibility. We don't know what Pavel Nedved is doing these days. We don't know if Agnelli is we know what he's doing. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> yeah we do Probably know. off parting, yeah. <laughs> well, a couple of weeks ago we knew. We don't know what he's doing now. But yeah, I mean, what happened? Once we all said that one of the reasons why Juventus is winning so much is because the club, you know, they had a very good sport director, every player was on check and so on. Now it's totally confused nightmare there. The players don't know where, where the club is going. So Marco, I think... Fratello mio, if you have to sack Allegri today, but you get Montero, would you do it? Yeah, 100%. Really? It, it just it cannot get worse <laughs> no, than no. it is right now. It cannot get it worse. For, you prefer Montero to Allegri? I think, I think Allegri just needs to go just to give an excuse to like the whole environment to get better. Like, like to make something happen we it's been 15 months already there hasn't been a single improvement since day one okay but it, it hasn't it hasn't always been this bad that's it uh, during this fight during this well, 15 months last season yeah last season was last season we started actually better than this one yeah so that's even a downgrade so far so do you not have any any hope that's gonna nah, kind of pick all. you up again no nah. At all. Interesting. Okay. Do you think he, he completely lost the situation? Yeah, I, I, since last week when he went to the press and basically said all of the things about the team, I think there's no way we can go on with him. But I think, I think the only person that is still holding on to him is Agnelli, and and he doesn't want to sack him. Then they won. Worrying In the time. next two games, there's Milan-Juventus. I think that could be really decisive. Milan-Juventus the and then the derby. That's the other thing. Up so far, the, the calendar that we have was basically the, the easiest. easiest. Yeah. Now it's going to get like way harder. We need to face Milan. We need to face Inter. We need to face, we need to face um, Napoli. So I don't, I don't see how there's any way we can improve this with Allegri on the bench. I mean, Vittorio points out some matches coming up. I'm not even convinced they're going to beat Bologna next time. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> like that, that's 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 the level that they've fallen to at the moment. And it is very worrying from a Juventus point of view because we talk about some of the players they're missing. Yes, some of them will make a difference. But even still, I feel like the style of football is outdated. I feel like the 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 belief in the manager has evaporated. I feel like there is nothing really there of substance at the moment. And, and it's going to take a lot more than a couple of players coming back to kind of get them back at the level that they need to be at. Go on, Vittorio. And Di Maria got suspended. He will miss even Juventus Milan. So he will be back for the derby. So mm. uh, he's going to miss Milan Juventus. And I don't know who's going to play there. I mean, they don't have that many options. Again, very the, difficult. He has been complaining about not having Chiesa. Well, you knew that. Yeah. You knew that Chiesa will get back in November. And when you had it, because I still remember when you had it last year, when yeah, when, Ke when, yeah. when 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 was playing under Allegri, he was bad. He was really. He, I think he only scored like twice or something like that. He he put them like as a second striker instead of instead of like playing playing him on left. So and Di Maria, well, he's thirty four years old. How can you how can you put all the hopes of your seasons on Chiesa, who's has been uh, injured for a year. A 34-year-old like Di Maria, who basically you had to beg him to come to the club but because he, he wasn't so sure. And Pogba, who has missed more games than Dybala the last three couple of years. Yeah, what, what, I'd be, what I would be the most worried about as a Juventus fan is Dusan Vlaovic because he's one of the best strikers. Well, what he looked like it could be one of the best strikers in the world. Um, and also a huge financial, um, you know, investment. investment. Yeah. yeah, which you know, if you see, you have Arriva Bene looks looks you know, looks after numbers and money. I mean, if if Blavic continues this way and ends up the, at the end of the season with I don't know six goals, seven, eight goals, then if you want to try to sell him and, and move on, how much are you going to sell him for? Half of that. Yeah, um, but even Kostic, who has been terrific last year. Best player of the Europe League, I don't remember. He yeah. has been terrific and he's invisible. He doesn't do nothing with Juventus. 
I don't know what Allegri did to him. I mean, yeah, because he, he plays left back. I mean, he's great. He's a great player, and I think he made an assist in yeah, seven two, nine matches. One or two, yeah. Give it to Maurizio. <laughs> oh, you imagine Mar Kostic with Maurizio. One one thing I would say though is I know we're talking as if it's the end of the world of Juve, right? And and it, I'm sure for Marco it feels that way. But they've only lost once. This was their first defeat of the season. Yes, they've been held to frustrating draws. But if you're talking about draws and defeats, there is a difference, right? If you're picking up draws, if you're struggling to break people down and struggling to beat people, that's something that can be rectified easier than obviously losing week in, week out. And this was only their first defeat of the season. So I think yeah, it's important that we make that point. It's not, you know, they're only, only seven won twice. Yeah, but they played Agreed. against Sampdoria, Spezia, Salernitana. Uh, Salernitana. Yeah, they, they were 2-0 down against Salernitana until the 80th minute. And, Some, you... and should have won that. Should have won that. Yeah, really did win yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Roma, if Fiorentina. You, if you look at the jersey, uh, winning, it's not important. It's the only thing that matters. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Ale waiting there with the digs. Uh, let's just quickly uh, talk about Lazio uh, briefly, Vittorio. It would be unfair to put you through an entire show and not let you gloat about Lazio winning. Uh, obviously, Cremonese. Look, he's got um, he's got Sari on the phone about Costa. Yeah, it's Mauricio calling. <laughs> yeah, no, it's my daughter. I don't know why. <laughs> talk to us. Uh, talk to us about uh, the win over um, Cremonese. Well, unfortunately, something went completely wrong on Thursday. I don't want to talk about it, but that was the reaction I was expecting after that awful performance on Thursday match. So, you know, big teams usually react. Cremonese is not that bad. I think Cremonese is an interesting match, an interesting team. So it was good to get three points out of that. Uh, as Alessandro mentioned, we have a very good striker in Chile Mobile who scored two goals and made an assist. No, it's a J, it's not an L. I know for the, for know, the wife. L was Tomas Rocky, if I, yeah. if I remember correctly. Uh, will he pay the, the dinner finally to Sergei Milinkovic Savic? I hope so. I hope so. He will. Milinkovic Savic, another great performance. Five so, you assists know, in seven games. Yeah. Scary. I mean, he's the best midfielder in Italy, I think. In, in the Serie world. In... By far. Top yeah, five in the world. Far. I still remember people saying that Barella was better than Milinkovic. I Ooh. mean, oh, a lot of even a lot of journalists said that. So you know, Barella uh, is still really good, though. He's not yeah. doing nothing again. We go back to Simone Inzaghi. Is it his fault that Barella? <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> Marco, be very careful what you say. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I love Inzaghi, but he's he's a manager that makes a lot of mistakes as well. So I think Sari is much better manager than, than Inzaghi, honestly. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I I'm with you. So, yeah, it's good to see Lazio playing when they play like that, not like they play in Europe League. So, oh, yeah, let's do a deep, deep analysis on that game if you, if you guys have time. We didn't play. <laughs> We've got two, goals uh, in two minutes against the team that it's eighth in the Denmark League. I think that's enough, right? It's simply oh, well. unacceptable. You know, penalties the same way. <laughs> I mean, I don't speak. Yeah. <laughs> if you speak, you're in big trouble. You no, I don't speak because, I mean... Because Roma, Roma teams like so... to have a, an imbarcata, as you say. <laughs> exactly. So, respect. I mean, at least we didn't take six goals like other teams do. Ah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is the second job, huh? It's heating up. It's heating up. When's the first derby? Uh, I don't know. I, I don't check the calendar, so I. <laughs> uh, Alessandro lives day by day. Is that kind of yeah. guy? Yeah. Uh, Should be end That's it. We're, I'm looking forward to that one very, very. No, much. it's not Sixth of November. November. Eh? Sixth of November. There's yeah. even you went to Sinta the same day. Oh, it's gonna be a good uh, episode. Yep. Yeah, yeah I, and if I remember correctly, is the the last one before the stop or? No, there's another one. There's one, one more. more. 
Yeah, yeah. One more game after that. Anyway, cool. guys, uh, we're going to wrap it up because we've been going over an hour. Thank you so much to every single one of you because it's been a great show. Lots of great chat. Uh, thank you for tuning in. As always, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast if you're new. Don't forget to leave us a review on Apple. And you can also leave reviews on Spotify. I didn't know this until about a week ago. So do leave reviews on there as well. It really, really does help. The more reviews, the higher up the list the podcast gets pushed uh, in the search terms. And that obviously really helps us. So thank you so much. Follow us on Twitter at Simply Seria. And you can follow the guys. Their handles will be in the description below. We'll be back. Uh, not next week because it's the international break, but we'll be back the week after with some more Serie Out chat. Until then, take care of yourself. Ciao. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.